All right, everybody, welcome to Thirsty Thursday, number 39. Uh, we're very fortunate to have Chief Pat Nichols from uh, Boston Fire Department with us tonight. And we're going to go around the horn real quick and uh, give uh, Pat a chance to introduce himself and uh, give us a little bit of his um, his background. But Pat, I just want to get this out right out of the way uh, off the bat. There's some things that just sound a lot cooler when a guy from Boston or New York says it. So um, if, if you'll indulge me just for a moment, I put it up at the bottom of the screen. Good. Give, give it to us so just, we can just get that that whole part out of the way. And then one other question or one other request I have: sometime during the, the uh, webcast, you got to refer to something as wicked good or wicked bad, whatever. But that's on you. That's wicked easy. I can do that easy, no problem. Uh, parked the car in at Harvard Yard for a quarter. Uh, not not that bad. Not bad. So the funny thing is, is that I grew up actually in Connecticut, born and raised in Connecticut, and I have. Apparently, um, a voice that, not a radio voice, but have a voice that um, is very distinctive from the Boston accent, even though um, I'm kind of like a New York, you know, in between New York, Boston kind of thing. And so um, I did, uh, I graduated high school down there and then left basically and, and moved to Boston when I was 18. So I've been up here since, but you can't get the Boston accent. You got to grow up with it, you know? Um, so um, I only got a little bit of it. <laughs> hey, but you know what? That that's a lot better than my uh, Mid Atlantic Delmarva Shore Billy. I I can't even pull it off in uh, any way, shape, or form. But uh, yeah, thank thanks for humoring us on that. Um, we we got our our guys here tonight: Mike Wood from Baltimore City, Bobby McGee from uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Ben's going to be back on here in just a little bit. He's got to take care of the uh, little lady at home, um, and uh, he'll he'll pop back on here uh, real briefly. So. Want to go around the horn real quick, and then uh, Chief Nichols is going to pass it back to you um, after they go around the horn. Give us a little intro, a little bit of your background, and we're going to talk about some man versus machine. So, uh, Bobby, on you. Well, hello, everybody. Um, Chief Nichols, it's great to have you on here. Uh, just so you know, everyone's throwing man versus machine around all over the country, but um, uh, Chief Nichols was probably the instrumental per first person to kind of put that together as a program to go out with, a, you were with Mark Gregory at the time, weren't you chief? I think, right. Um, so we got to give the due credit where it is that, um, you know, a lot of these minor, uh, the, the rescue things with unusual things was kind of missed in the fire service. And uh, uh, those, those guys put it together and uh, we're greatly indebted to them. So every time we say man versus machine around here, I always think about you, Chief Nichols. And I think about Mark Gregory up in, in New York and stuff like that. But I definitely, um, I thought that you could never say New York and Boston in the same sentence. That was pretty amazing. So uh, I'll turn it over to Mike. Uh, hi, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, Chief. Uh, I'm glad you're on and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, uh, my name is Michael Wood, and uh, I've been uh, up with uh, Baltimore for uh, some years now, going on 18. And um, I've heard a lot about you. And it's actually uh, uh, your subject matter has been brought up many, many times, um, not only in Baltimore, but also down here in Ocean City. And um, there is a, a definite need for that type of knowledge. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it and I'll kick it back to uh, to Trevor and we'll get moving. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And, uh, ben just texted me and um, he's actually finishing up his uh, hair and nail appointment right now. So he should be back on here in a few minutes. But um, yeah. Chief, we were talking just before the show that, you know, even though a lot of uh, departments like your size and the size of Mike's and, you know, uh, even in Ocean City, we have 
some special operations capability, but it's not a full-time staffed unit. But um, the way that man versus machine that uh, my first exposure to it was, regardless of the size and scope of your department, that there was something for you to get started on, regardless of you were engine centric, truck centric, uh, even on an ambulance, uh, whatever the case is. And uh, you made sure that you got the point across that don't show up and just be a well-dressed spectator with a, a front row seat. So um, to that end, uh, Chief Nichols, if you want to go ahead and give us a little intro and then uh, kind of take it from there based on what we just talked about. Sure. All right. Thank you for, very much for having me on. I, uh, I appreciate it. Um, and the kudos has to go to uh, Mark Gregory. Um, uh, you know, it, it's all of our uh, program put together, uh, all of our experiences, and uh, um, it, but it was his idea. So I'm going to give the credit to it. The credit's due. Um, we all, um, we, you know, I, and when we do this man and machine program, we we probably learn something every time we go and present it. Um, People have things to offer, their experiences, and things like that, and and so and we put that into the program. We'll tweak it, and those little tidbits that somebody can give us, and and that's what the fire service should be all about: sharing ideas. I mean, really, that's what the kitchen table is all about, right? Sharing, you know, what we saw, what we did last tour, to what's going on. Um, uh, I'm I'm uh, been a Boston. Uh, on the Boston Fire Department for uh, just shy of 30, you know, like literally two weeks shy of 36 years. Um, currently a district chief in our, one of our special, special ops uh, districts. We have two of them. And I have um, um, most of my experience has been on a ladder truck. Um, I guess, Mike, you would appreciate that. Um, I did a few years as a fireman helper. I respectfully uh, call the engine guys. And uh, when I was first appointed, but th since then I was, uh, I've been on a truck, uh, special ops trucks, uh, rescue two uh, for a little bit. Um, and then um, a, a towel out of 10, which is part of a special ops. We do in Boston, a, um, uh, a task force, if you will. It's, it's a, uh, uh, it's five companies in in one division and um, and four really in, in in another division that are tech rescue trained. Um, uh, four of the five are manned, and we have a special ops truck. And then three of the four are manned permanently um, in the other division, and one has a special ops truck. And that's how we run it. Um, if it's really a large event, everybody goes. Uh, it um, it takes a lot. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be um, starting as a volunteer fireman in Connecticut when I where I was uh, in high school. Um, that's kind of started my roots uh, down there, and then um, uh, been fortunate enough to be in the uh, Massachusetts or the New England uh, Urban Search and Rescue Team. So I, I've been able to um, just, you know, try to absorb as best I can with all the um, people that I've been surrounded by, uh, fortunate been surrounded by, uh, and just try to get as much knowledge out of it, out of them as I can. So it's, I've been fortunate in that respect. Uh, right now I'm in District 9. I've been there for um, uh, four years now, I think. Um, and... Uh, Brand new firehouse, which is kind of cool because uh, it's kind of a state of art art firehouse, um, well thought out, um, 
for the cancer um, prevention and uh, uh, warm, hot, cold zones and and whatnot. Um, you know, so that's kind of going to wind down my career in in a brand new house. Um, kind of spoiled with that, you know. Um, as far as the program goes, um, we um, it, we really emphasize um, the ability for any engine or truck or any unit to get on the scene to be able to start an operation. It could be as easy as undoing, unscrewing the spark plug on a snowblower. Uh, Trevor, I know you're probably not familiar right now with a snowblower. You're probably not going to run into it, but uh, up this way we do. Um, and it might be as easy as um, releasing the um, compression on the engine and, and just giving it enough free, free um, uh, ability to move the engine and move the auger a little bit. And that's all you need, you know, and, you know, how, how much we've always uh, been trained, you know, when we have um, railroad incidents, uh, you know, how much do you have to lift the train up uh, just enough? You know, you know, give us give firemen enough time. We can jack a train up 10 feet off the ground, um, but there's no need for that. And it's the same with the um, any kind of man and machine or anything like that. You know, you just got to move it enough to get the extrication uh, complete. Um, so the, and it's it's been um, it's been a, it's been a great ride. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of education, a lot of, um, you know, we've got a lot of people who. Um, I feel very fortunate that a lot of people reach out and, you know, said it's one of the best classes. And it's not, it's not certainly me. It's, it's the team we have, have around us presenting it, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of rewarding in, in that respect. Absolutely. And, um, you know, all, all the points are well taken. Just before the show, I was also saying that, um, you know, even though my my heart's on the truck uh, where, I, where I am now, small department, we're very engine centric, but yeah. we have a specialized bag just for man versus machine and a specialized compartment for residential rescues and those unique things. So it's amazing when the firefighters actually kind of get out of their own lane a little bit and realize the capabilities they have, certainly the limitations also. But the, what they can do um, in that very beginning phase, and you know, Pat, you had talked about um, you know obviously you know, Mark Gregory being ex- exceptionally instrumental, and Bobby, you remember this from when we first started doing the uh, Fools Hot training down in Ocean City and combining it with the State Firemen's Association training, um, is that the the first the first group that came down, uh, Mark Mark was uh, you know, one of the first people came down and brought some of his cadre of instructors with him, but was the uh, you know, PL Vulcan. And, um, you know, they were instrumental in really getting our uh, fools-based hot training off the ground in Ocean City. And, uh, Pat, when it swings back to you, um, you know, if you could just kind of you know, give us a little bit of the background of, uh, you know, Pete Lund and the PL Vulcan um, you know, with that. But, you know, again, Mark's definitely been um, you know, a huge uh, cornerstone of this, of this process. And you guys have done this class, you know, all throughout the country and probably you know, further. But, uh, you know, it's, it certainly resonates at all levels. Um, you know, so with that, Pat, you mind talking a little bit about the you know, PL Vulcan and then you know, kind of easing us in a little bit to where to get started. If I'm if I'm on that first due engine company or first due, even the, you know, the first due medic unit, whatever the case is, and we come across these things, uh, you know, where our thought process is to start. Sure. Um, so PL Vulcan, um, uh, it, it actually started with uh, Pete Lund, who was uh, – very well respected uh, uh, lieutenant on the FDNY, 
and um, started a training uh, company um, in, in the New York area. But, you know, they obviously had gone into different areas and, um, and it was um, Vulcan Training Concepts. And his nickname was the Vulcan, um, the, the God of Fire. Um, he that was a, a joke around the rescue too in New York City, um, as where which where he's assigned. Um, after nine eleven, like so many others, um, uh, he, he um, had to re- he 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 wasn't working, so he you know he was around. But uh, after. Um, all of the um, recovery and everything like that. He um, basically um, had to retire. I mean, I didn't have to retire, I suppose, but he, he retired um, from the FDNY and was still a volunteer out on Long Island um, and had a fatal heart attack or a fatal uh, heart incident at um, at an incident in um, his volunteer department in uh, Long Island. Um, I had just joined that team, um, just, and Mark and I became friendly because of, uh, a Jerry Dewan, who was a Boston, um, uh, his, his, a Boston resident, um, ended up getting on in New York city, but I came on with his brother in 1986. Um, his uncle was on the job. So it was a Dewan's were like a, um, a, a name, you know, a, a traditional name in the city of Boston is the, for the fire department. Um, became friendly with um, Jerry, knew knowing Jerry. Um, Mark had um, uh, allowed him or let him stay at his house um, many, quite a few summers. Nine eleven, unfortunately, Jerry uh, succumbed to his injuries and in, in one of the collapses of the towers. So. Um, Mark then came up to Boston to, to give the um, eulogy for for Jerry when they when they had the funeral, and um, and that's where I met him, and and th- then that's what kind of the bond that part of the bond uh, started, um, and and that's a long story, but and w- what happens is that it's all the the um, relationships that you make as you go along through your career that help you out as you go along, and. <clears throat> He asked me, he introduced me to uh, Pete Lunn and asked me if I would come on board. And we did. Um, and I think within, you know, months of me saying yes, he um, uh, succumbed. Uh, Pete succumbed. So we ended up um, obviously being disappointed and, and obviously saddened by his loss. Um, we uh, put everything on hold Um Later um, that year, later uh, on, we um, decided that we would honor him by um, continuing with what his passion was, which was uh, teaching. And we ended up um, asking the widow if if it was okay if we could use, um, uh, you know, use his initials PL in the, the PL Vulcan. And so that's how that name was resurrected and, and came along. And we were doing a lot of uh, truck work because that's what our background was. Mark Gregory was a, a lieutenant at the time on 111. Um, he, like I, had been pretty much truck guys or pretty much our career. He's currently a captain of a lot of 176. Um, and, he, um, and, uh, and then we just had a brainstorm probably over adult beverages after a class. And, and uh, he said, I got this idea, you know, let's, you know, and then we just went with it. 
And, um, <clears throat> and again, it's, you know, everybody's putting their heads in. Uh, we've, we have people on uh, Worcester, Massachusetts fire department, several in New York city. Um, we have, um, we had one in, uh, in Baltimore. He has since retired. Um, and we've had, we have guys in uh, Miami, uh, Austin, Texas, um, uh, uh, Kentucky near Cincinnati. Um, and so we, and you get all of those experiences and you put them all in a, in a pot and you stir it up and you spit out program and, and you spit out um, a bunch of experiences and a bunch of um, techniques that uh, really work well and, and not getting complicated. Um, certainly there are, you know, some extremely complicated entrapments, but most of them without overthinking them can be, um, done by um, a set of hand tools, you know, uh, ratchet sets, um, you know, some, some maybe some torches, maybe some, uh, and just some thinking out of the box. Um, for instance, um, we do a ring removal. Um, things like um, the ring cutter that was pretty much standard in our kits, which was uh, the hand cranked. Um, uh, tool that you would slide under the under the finger and um, and people would be uh, uncomfortable with it because it's by the time they get to you they're probably swollen fingers and you know very painful and now you have to slide uh, something in between them um, you know we, we've gone with the uh, Dremel tool and and utilize you know things like um, you know kitchen spoons and forks and you know um, things like that to bear, you know, put a buffer between the skin and, and the running blade. Um, and then, and then added, you know, a little bit of water to that to, you know, for a cooling effect. Um, we kind we, uh, you know, almost, it, it's funny, we laugh because every class we have, whether it's a writ class or a, um, a man in a machine class or, or, or some class, we always say at the end of the, the day, it's like, you're going to, it, you call us because you're going to have something in the next day or two. And um, we were down on Long Island and same thing. They, um, we gave the class on Saturday, Saturday night, they come, somebody comes, knocks on the door. I got a ring on my finger and my wife can't, you know, she can't get it off her finger. Uh, we've tried everything. And, and, you know, again, by the time they get to you, it's been hours, probably maybe even days um, and, uh, the, and that particular fire department said, well, we didn't, we know that the town next to us took a class. You should go see them. And they gave them directions to the class, to the, uh, the next fire department, next fire district over. And, um, sure enough, they, you know, did everything we, we showed them with the ring removal and, uh, and they were able to get the ring off, um, with no injuries and, and, uh, and so again, it's just, it's funny because you know those are few and far between, but they they're almost routine, but they could be so much better for not only for you know our images in the fire service and the you know your fire department itself, but um, also for, you know for the public obviously and your patient your people that you're 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 working with. Um, if you could do it better, easier, um, save somebody's ring. Uh, I remember prior to all of this going on when I was a young lieutenant on the, uh, on, um, on a, it was a very busy ladder truck, but uh, we didn't, 
we never had any training in man and machine. We, you know, it was really much, you know, yeah, we'll try, try your best, call for the rescue. And with all due respect to the rescue guys, and they, they showed up and, you know, they start cutting the ring and, you know, diamonds are popping off. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's got to be a better way than this, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but um, they they were um, – it, it didn't seem like it, – it, 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 I felt like it could have gone better. And, um, and, and then we – again, and then the more we learn, the more we experience these things, it's like, yeah, there is a better way to do it. And, you know, and, and, it's, and it's not – you know, we, we always say it's not rocket scientists, you know, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, even the engine guys could do this, you know, and I'm just kidding with that too, of course, you know, but um, we have, um, it, it's the basic tools, the basic tools, and we get involved in, um, you know, we, you know, we recommend some band saws for certain incidents and things like that, but most of the time, um, the fire department that hosts us don't have, they don't usually have to buy anything um, beyond what they already have. They put it in a bag, they put everything they have, they put it in a, in a, a quick attack, you know, um, man versus machine kit, if you will. And, and then um, that's it. And we add a few things, you know, like things that maybe people won't think about right away, which is, you know, you run even a Dremel tool, which is, you know, a, a hobby tool, um, but that generates heat, you, you know, and, you know, so you maybe introduce water to try to cool it, whatever you're cutting to try to prevent any kind of injuries. Um, we had um, somebody reached out to us a few, um, I don't know, this year, maybe uh, six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, and they were, um, they showed us some injuries that the ER did. They were using a tool, but no, uh, a Dremel tool or similar tool. Um, and, uh, but they use no water. And so there was, um, some blistering, uh, on the finger for this woman and, um, her, her husband happened to be a fireman, you know, so, and happened to take this class and, you know, of course we, we, we see the pictures, we see the story and it's like, okay, you know, it's too bad that, you know, maybe the fire department didn't get involved. Um, I mean, and, and that happens. Um, we had several, uh, it was funny. They, they come in groups, you know, you, you kind of, you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to have a, you know, you have a fire and then you have like three fires in a row kind of thing, you know? And it was kind of like for us in Boston, we had three incidents that the hospital called us the ER and called us to go to the ER and they, they gave up basically. They said, well, you guys must know how to do this. Um, and they're not always rings on fingers. We'll just put it that way. And they could be, you know, any, any place. And, uh, um, and they kind of, um, were like, yeah, we don't know what to do with this. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll do our best. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, it, it was, um, and they were very appreciative because we come in there, you know, professionals and, you know, um, and, you know, help the patient. And we were out of there in less than an hour. Um, and it was a, um, a large bolt kind of thing. So you can use your imaginations. Where, yeah, we're, we're, Chief, we're a little slow. Can you describe that in detail for us, please? No, just well, it, we'll put it this way. I was um, in command, and um, the guy operating the tool gets uh, flowers from 
the uh, person now. So we'll just, yeah. That, that that's very nice. That's sweet. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it, it's funny. It's funny you say that because that's one of the things when um, I know when Mark was coming down and teaching the class at, at Ocean City, and he would always say, you know, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. But don't be surprised if these skill sets don't take you out of your comfort zone. And mm. uh, Mike, I know you've had the same thing in Baltimore City with um, some of your companies, especially Rescue One, that. You might find yourself in a set of surgical scrubs at shock trauma um taking off a device um you know some somewhere and uh, i know you you baltimore and uh, boston are somewhat similar in in size and population that type of thing but uh you know, chief nichols that's a great point is that you know, once you have developed these skill sets it might not just be responding to a industrial site for somebody caught in a you know in a press or a lathe or uh you know going to a residential rescue. I mean, you might be going in to assist somebody at a, at a medical place. Um, so, and, and that's how often does that happen with you guys between you know, Mike and Pat? What, what, what's the frequency that you get those kind of calls? Go ahead, Chief. Well, I, I would say, I mean, um, in the five years I've been in district nine, that was, I, I did it twice in three months. Um, we haven't had any, um, that I, at least that I was working for, um, but I happen to catch th three of them, I, two of them in, in the three months. Um, there was probably, you know, they're, they're very rare. Um, and, and, you know, and it was funny because it was during COVID. It was, you know, everybody's, you know, think the world's crazy, you know. Um, and um, you have to go in there, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're dealing with doctors, we're dealing with, uh, nurses and doctors and specialists and and all of that and if you you, you got to go in there you know professionally and and be able to get things done and um, I had to have a conversation with um, one of the doctors because um, he looked at the bag and he, he was like those tools you know they're not you know they're not sterilized and I'm like well we're not breaking skin so we're you know, we're not operating. We're, you know, we're, that's the whole goal of this is not to break the skin. Um, and he was, you know, and, you know, we had a conversation and he was more comfortable about what, um, you know, what we did um, and what we were going to do and what the process was going to entail. So fortunately, it doesn't happen too often, but. Um, you know, and again, that's those things. Those are the conversations you have to have. It's um, real difficult to have on the rig on the way to the incident. You know, th those are things that you kind of have to, uh, ha you know, practice with and, you know, and, and, you know, try to. And, and, and you know, the nice thing about man and the machine is that um, that whole process, um, you can train on a ring on a finger. It's the same concept as anything else, as far as something else in, in, engaged in in a uh, object. Yeah, and and for you guys, but before you receive these calls to go to whether it's an emergency room, uh, you know, an OR suite, whatever the case is, was this something that there was any kind of previous communication, or was this on the fly? You had to figure it out, and then based on that kind of stuff between you and Mike, would would you recommend? maybe having that sit down. I know that, you know, we got all the egos and attitudes and alpha dogs with surgeons and this, that, and the other, like you're talking about, but, um, you know, 
was, was there any pre-planning at all on this? Or like, again, was it just kind of, let's get this done, let's be professional and then, you know, go from there. And, and what was your follow-up? Well, in, in Boston, it was one of only, um, I remember one uh, probably 10 years prior and there might've been other incidents, but um, you know, the, uh, it, it, you know, that if it, it, it wasn't shared, if there was anything, um, and it might've been scattered here and there, but they were so few and far between, um, Boston ended up doing a man in a machine program for all the, uh, tech rescue companies, the, uh, well, actually specifically the rescue companies, um, because they were using that as an advanced skill for tech rescue. So all the guys or most of the guys on, the rescue that responded was had had this program and again it's doesn't make any difference what's stuck where it's the technique is basically the same you know you have to understand what the different metals um you're not going to cut titanium like really easy if at all you're probably better breaking it um recognizing that kind of thing um some of the thicker metals you know you know heavier um uh, bolts maybe or something something thicker that you needed to remove um, you know it was going to take more time but understanding that um, you know some of the more pliable metals maybe only one cut and then you can bend it open uh, these cuts that they had to make they had to make two of them one and, and basically cut it in half to be able to remove it um, so understanding that and then especially understanding the um, the sensitive nature of the area that you have to be very careful with um, you know, with making sure it's cool and, uh, you know, making sure that the metals isn't getting hot, um, you know, you know, protecting the patient. Chief, you mentioned um, one of some of the harder metals that you have to break. Um, and I think I remember, was it, is it tungsten? They, like tungsten rings, they made a, a thing yep. that you can put over top of it mm -hmm. and then you basically screw into it. Uh, and it like compresses it into like the housing. Yep. Um, I think Ooh. I saw one of the one of the station one of the companies down here in Maryland. Um, like they crafted one of theirs like in the firehouse. So there is um, so there is a specific tool um, that um, will break a tungsten ring that jewelers and people like that will buy and have available. Um, they're pretty pricey. They're really just specifically for tungsten rings, metal rings. Um, we find that um, a pair of channel locks and um, you clamp it down and then get another pair um, or use a screwdriver if, if the um, the screw at the end of the channel locks without not having something to show you, but with this, that you could tighten down and adjust the opening of it. If you could crimp, crimp that down and tighten that down, that will give enough pressure. Um, again, titanium, um, tungsten rings rather, um, only need a, a, just enough pressure and, and they'll shatter and they shatter in a bunch of pieces. Um, usually at least two or three I, and many times more. And so it's not, again, you could spend three hundred bucks or two hundred and something dollars on a, you know, the the, the ring uh, breaker that um, a jeweler may have, and it's essentially the same thing. The difference is it's got a little diamond point on it, 
and you would crank it down on on the ring as it's the band is around the ring and it tightened down and that's its one use. That's the one thing that that thing could do. All well and good. That's great. Um, but I could do a lot of things with my vice grips, you know, and I could use it for different things. And um, for 30 bucks, I can get a really good set of vice grips, probably three of them for 30 bucks. And um, if it has a knob to be able to tighten it, I can get an open um, ring, same uh, gauge um, screw on it so I can actually replace that with that and then use a screwdriver for my torque, for my forces. Um, If you, you know, so you can get creative. I mean, firemen are pretty creative. Um, if you think about it and talk about it ahead of time, and hey, how, how if we had this, what could we do to make this good for us with what we have? Um, I mean, if you have a specific ring cracker, that's great. That's two hundred dollars, but that's the only thing that that thing could do. Um, it, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent, you know, designed specifically for tungsten rings. And there's quite a few people using tungsten rings. I, I, you know, doing this, you know, I, I actually noticed that, you know, you can, they're not always necessarily um, tungsten if you, you see that they're black, but that probably black is going to be a tungsten ring. You can't always, you know, that's not a hundred percent, but that, that's, a, that would lead me to, oh, okay, it's not a gold ring. It's not a soft metal. It's I, that I have to cut. It's a it's a harder shatter type uh, break. Um, so again, it's that's that's our philosophy. We don't, um, you know, if if you certainly you, you welcome to buy a you know tungsten ring breaker, that's cool. But um, it's it's how many things do we have to carry to to calls? I mean, you you look at some of these compartments. There's like Oh my God, there's no no more room in it. You know, it's almost like you open the compartment and stuff falls out because it's that much stuff and everything, you know, we try to make our jobs easier, but sometimes we overthink it by by the new widget. And because that's the best thing since sliced bread, but uh, that other thing that used to work just as well does the same thing. You know, it's just not that widget, you know. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to jump in, Chief. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, well, obviously, that's what we're trying to do anyway. Yeah. But up, up, you have, a, I'm sure you have a lot of experience, because I know uh, with your connections in FDNY and then, of course, Boston. Uh, and Baltimore has this, too. But uh, Ocean City specifically has this because of its uh, summer tourism. Uh, and I know, uh, you know, living along the coast like FDNY and Boston, there are amusement areas where – uh, I'm sure uh, you guys have done uh, a slew of training or have trained with individuals uh, that have uh, some knowledge of that. And that's a big one down in Ocean City in Maryland. And just out of curiosity, and again, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but we were talking about, you know, a quick bag, um, some quick tools that would be relevant for certain situations. And in cases uh, of that nature, which I know is always heavy on the minds of people in that apartment down in Ocean City, what uh, what do you think uh, some quick go-tos 
uh, that you've seen, um, you know, from from working with other guys as far as maybe amusement rides, things of that nature, um, would be something that should be kind of kept on a rig uh, and ready to pull off in any situation like that. Is there any off the top of your head that you can list? And I'm a keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple, stupid type of guy. I mean, so stupid that I couldn't even get that out. Right. So it's all about keeping it really, really simple. And if, uh, you know, if there was, if there was a, let's say three to four things that you should always carry with you in, in situations like those, as far as all the things that amusement areas offer, uh, you know, what, what do you think they would be? Well, um, the, the amusement specifically the amusement areas um a, a lot of times there are if they're in operation which is probably the case there's people there that know how to work them or put them together um if those are the traveling ones they come apart in a week and they get put on a truck and they go to the next place if they're stationary and they're moving if they're you know already there and they're you know it's a permanent setup then what you'll have is probably maintenance people that are uh, pretty savvy about, you know, uh, how they work and what they have and have to do maintenance on it. Um, a lot of times I like to utilize their stuff and it's not so much, you know, usually it's a no, no, you know, with ground ladders and things like that. But um, with something like this, their hand tools are specific to that ride or that, that, that attraction. Um, if it's a, you know, if it's a, you know, a weird, um, uh, corner that you need to uh, take apart or, or, you know, they're going to have that kind of wrench, um, specific socket, uh, size, the, the, um, the, 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 give you enough torque that, you know, the longest wrench that they have, you know, they probably have that there. Um, so we always like to tell, um, you know, try to get, Try to utilize the people of knowledge that are there. They're going to help you out. They may not have the best ideas, but they all have some ideas and be able to maybe point you in the right direction or, or, or you know, give you some advice. Um, it's still on you. You still have to make those decisions. So what would I be carrying? I'd carry an assortment of socket wrenches um, of all different sizes. Doesn't mean you bring them to the scene right away but have them available. Um, the rescue that, that in my house, uh, rescue two, they have a compartment and it's all hand tools, um, you know, box wrenches, um, screwdrivers, um, all sizes. None of that comes out in the man versus machine kit. Man versus machine kit should be looked at as this is my first attack. My first quick hit, um, this is what I got. I can start doing something. And then you could start going back and say, Hey, I need a, I need an inch and a half, you know, box wrench, or I need something else. Um, or I need torches or I need other things. That's when you just start, you know, requesting the, um, the specialty, um, um, tools, uh, you, they, they'll have, um, our guys anyway, have, have a, um, a two wheel dolly and they'll just load up a, a couple things on it. And, um, with their quick, um, man and machine kit, depending on what they're, they're going to do. And Hey, we're going to, you know, we might need some saws. Let's throw the saws on it. Um, you know, right angle grinders work, uh, are fabulous underused tool. Um, in my estimation, um, 
uh, bandsaws. They just became a thing uh, in the fire service. But, you know, um, contractors use those all the time. And I'm no contractor. I'm a better at breaking things and making things. But certainly uh, those guys, um, they know what tool works well. And, um, you know, you watch them work and they use a bandsaw. It's like, that would work pretty slick in, in some instances for us. It cuts really really smooth you know when you're talking you know fine finite you know real finesse kind of cutting that we have to do um that that is uh something that you know and it's nice you know you can get into the debate of electric tools quartered tools versus um battery operated tools they've come a long way for battery operated tools they're almost um you really uh you know you asked me 10 years ago i would have been balking at power uh, battery operated tools because the power tools were just so much better. Uh, the batteries didn't last, you know, when does the battery die? As soon as you start to use it, is it, is it, um, you know, is there a program on the fire department in, in that particular apparatus that keeps them charged? Are they on trickle charge? When is the last time they've been replaced? You know, all of those things nowadays with, you know, with all the different technology that we have now, the batteries are really, it really come a long way. Um, but it's nice to have both, you know, you still, you know, it's nice to have enough, but then again, you know, how much is, can you put in the compartments, you know? And then, um, so, you know, and that's a, that's a discussion that you have to have is what, what are we going to, um, what do we need to make this happen? Um, we have a support truck that will be dispatched on tech rescues that the engine that's with us that um um so the rescue has their things that they need daily um they're a heavy rescue they you know extrication fire stuff um quick hit um for um uh any kind of um confined space uh, rope rescue things like that but if we get into some really um complicated things the tech rescue is the one that's bringing all the extra stuff, the heavier different tools, the um, the different sizes of the bandsaws, for instance, you know, uh, bring the assortment of things. Um, so I think, you know, having an ancillary or a, um, a support truck is uh, goes a long way. And it's not manned. It's the engine throws two guys on it and they go as a team together. We run with an officer in four. Um, uh, well, we run with an officer in three. So there's four guys on, on the truck. So two of them would get, say, any engine. Two will go on the uh, support truck. And um, if they finish the, the job, if they're returning and something comes in that it's an engine run, they all go. Um, so it's not like you're taking them out of service or running, you know, short or anything like that. But we're bringing more tools now to the to the incident so we have more ability to to um reach in and that's the way that's what we've found that works for us i mean everybody you know the, the man between manning and um and uh, space wise at firehouses and things like that you know those all come into into play as far as deciding how you want to distribute the equipment uh, but you can't have everything on one truck because it's just, it, I know, I feel it just becomes, you, you're just, you're trying to get every, you, you're trying, you should have the right tools for most of the work you need. 
those specialty tools, that's when you, you, you call in the cavalry, you know, you, you get those extra tools coming to you. And that's why I'm a big proponent. And I think Mark is too, is, you know, a quick hit, um, man in a machine kit. It's, you know, a couple feet, you know, it's basically a, a tool kit, literally a tool kit, a couple feet by, you know, 18 inches high, you know, it's got the basic tools to get started. Um, you need more stuff. You, you, you ask for the cavalry. I don't know, Mike, if that you know, answered that question, but, uh, you know, I think uh, it, it, gets, it gets the wheels turning, turning a little bit. Uh, they're a, a little bit better for some of the things that we have going on down here. So, uh, no, that, that, that's, a, that's a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate it. Thank you. I got a question for you. Oh, sure. And I was just going to kind of go off of what Mike's talking about. So in my experience has been, always been in smaller, uh, smaller fire departments, combination fire departments. And um, so we definitely don't have staff rescues per se. We have rescues mm -hmm. in firehouses, but they're not actually staffed by people most of the time. And so we do have tools and things like that. Um, it's funny you talk about the unique tools. I know in, in Ocean City we have a rebar breaker, and that's all that thing does. Yeah. And it takes up a case. It takes up like half a compartment to have it, you know, those types of things. Um, so I've been kind of blessed that in, in my history. Um, I do metal work and stuff in my shop and done mechanical work and things like that. And, and so one of the things I found was when I would go to work at a firehouse, um, I never realized that some people didn't. And so I know, like, I, I never forget it. We're doing training on just, just a, a continuing education training about you know, cribbing a car up and, and, and I was like, don't put it on suspension pieces because it's still going to move. You put it on the frame and, and they get and, and, and these guys would keep messing up and I was getting really frustrated. And then all of a sudden when I started talking to them, like they, when they looked into a car, it was just a bunch of metal. They didn't know what a suspension piece was versus a frame piece versus whatever. And so, you know, in, in our small area, I, I guess this is just off of Mike's question, not just the tools that you carry in there, but taking vehicle rescue out because i think everybody runs enough vehicle rescue to have a familiarity with that kind of that that type of rescue but in the unique rescue situations that you're talking about what are like maybe the three or four things that you think that our guys on the engines and the trucks and stuff should train or be uh aware of a proficiency um that that you would recommend that we kind of get our people trained up on for those initial incidents when they're, they're doing that very first walking in with that man versus machine bag uh, what do you think the things that they should focus on training um, outside of vehicle rescue? Sorry, um, I think we got you know that vehicle education dialed down. Not something that's not something that we should not train on. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I think um, I think some the, the, the things that we um, because man versus machine, um, you know, a vehicle car accident is a man and a machine versus together. I mean, you we're really working. It is really truly a man versus machine kind of thing. But I think in that respect, I think we got that down. Um, hydraulic tools have been around for a long time. That seems to be what, that's one of those things that we tend to do a lot of work on. You know, we get a lot of calls we get, you know, that's a familiar thing. I think when we get involved in, um, those weird stuff, the auger calls, the things that people get wrapped up in. Um, 
that that's when you start having to think. So to answer your question, some of the tools, uh, I'm not a real big fan of torches, although I think they have their application. But I think a lot of things, if you think about torches operating in in our scenario, in man versus machine, um, they generate quite a bit of heat. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not a, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I, I, it has its place for sure. Um, I think we should be proficient with it. Um, but it, we've gotten away from the acetylene and now we're more into the petrogen. It's more reliable, um, less, uh, less probability of, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and I think, um, so I think, um, being on the top of the game with the petrogen is important. I think being, um, I think uh, understanding what a right angle grinder can do for you, whether it's cutting the bolts off, and I'm thinking more on the lines of a auger type incident, uh, cutting the bolts off, understanding. Um, but um, unfortunately, I, I think a lot of you know, I you know, I, I see some gray hair, right? So uh, Bobby and you know, and uh, but so we probably had shop class in high school. Um, without, without guards on them, without, uh, you know, big band saws with, you know, and it was just like, nobody was paying attention, nobody, you know, and, um, and if you had a shop teacher with, that wasn't missing a finger, then he wasn't that good at what he was doing. And, um, but nowadays that's not in existence. So we're getting a lot of firefighters that are not, um, not exposed to that at all. When they, they don't know how to start saws. They don't know how to, uh, manipulate tools. They don't understand what what a wrench even does, or which way it goes. Oh, and I'm, you know, s- certainly being sarcastic with that. But um, I think the basic tools is what we have to be proficient in. Understanding what, um, you know, every action is a reaction, right? You know, what will happen if I release a spring? What's where is it going to go? I have to capture that. I have to think about those kind of things. So uh, right angle grinders are important. Um, Dremel tools. Um, we use, um, we'll use a Dremel tool um, and, you know, you tell them to start slow, you know, use water and they're all over the place. And I, you know, I'm, you know, as a, as an instructor, I'm like, you know, just, you know, uh, and they want to pull out the K-12 and I'm like, whoa. Let's, you know, let's start small. So again, it's, it's, you know, some of the basic and, 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 and maybe for us, uh, you know, a Dremel tool is pretty basic, you know, and, and it should be uh, almost like you, sh- but I've found that doing these classes, we, you got to start from scratch. So this is how you change the blade. This is how you start it. And this is, you know, maybe not literally this is you plug it in, but I mean, you know, you really got to, you can't you can't assume that everybody knows and has a lot of experience with these tools. Um, for instance, the um, the bandsaw, um, you know, a lot of people have never seen, and I admittedly had never used a bandsaw until I started the, this rescue stuff. Um, we never, I never had a, you know, other than a bandsaw that in shop where it was you know six feet tall and you know stationary you know, never a hand bandsaw or anything like that, understanding that, you know, I need to start the saw, I can feather it and things like that. So I think we, you know, we take, we take um, for granted that 
our people know exactly what these tools do and what they can and can't do and and then what to do if they troubleshoot what happens if that band saw the blade comes apart comes off the rollers you know are they are they able to replace the blade on a fly are, are they can troubleshoot it or anything like that um and and then just making sure that um you know the the tools are where they should be and again we don't use um things like uh reversible pliers um the um that you could get use of brake um, brake pads or brake springs and things like that but the reversible pliers that sometimes uh, you, you know you get you know if you've, it's been a long time since i've replaced any kind of brakes but um that was something that we that was just yeah you did it right now what do you mean reversible pliers what you know and and you could utilize them as as a spreading device after you make your cut on a on a gold ring or a soft metal ring, um, and spread it out just enough. And again, you only have to move just enough to be able to get it over the knuckle or where it would, the swelling of the of the finger, as an example. So again, I, I really feel like it's sometimes it's the basic tools, and we take for granted that everybody knows what those things are and. Um, I, I see it more than not. Uh, we do 200 and um, so people in each day, at, um, it, it, um, 50 in each of the uh, sessions, 200 total uh, about in uh, FDIC for the hot program. It's, in, it's a four-hour program, morning and night, morning and afternoon. And uh, so we do about 200 people. Uh, and um, I, I see a lot of blank stares with, you know, if I talk about a, a right angle grinder or or, or or a bandsaw or anything like that, and it's not their fault. I'm not finding fault. It's just that's not the, they haven't experienced that. And you know, people have all different levels of experience, and you can't just assume that oh, you're on the rescue or you're on a truck or an engine, you're going to know that. Um, so when you get into something like these, you know, the, we take it. Yeah, you're probably great at stretching a line and everything like that, but when it comes down to understanding what a bandsaw or, or or a dremel or any those you know finite tools that we don't use very often may not happen chief we um a couple of things one we're coming up on our hour but there's a great question from uh, in the comment section um and what are your thoughts on the lockout tag out uh, the comment and here let me put it up real quick oh um heard about uh, if you turn the power off, the machine might still move uh, the gears or the augers moving back to a neutral position, further entangling the victim. So what, what's been your experience and what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, so my answer to that is uh, what I said earlier, which was finding people who know how to use the machine. Exactly. Um, we did, we were up in Maine as an example, and I'll, I'll get more into that specific question but we were up in Maine and um, at a paper company, and th these guys, you know, work on these the huge. They, they take up a whole house uh, uh, of these paper mills, and and there's a bunch of sharp things in it, and a bunch of moving parts and, and, and whatnot. And uh, it was um, we were talking about lockout tagout, and and um, I said, well, we're, how would you lock this out? I said, there's a switch right there. I said, I bet you that's not the only one. And he said, no, you're right. He says, that will shut down the lights. That doesn't shut, I mean, that shuts down the rollers. That doesn't shut down the heaters to it or, 
or, or anything else. And then there's the steam energy part of it that you have to shut down. So it could be a bunch of different things. Um, but the guy, the people that are there will probably be able to tell you, it's like, hey, if you shut this off, it may go to neutral. It may come down. Or it may continue in its cycle coming down even when you go to turn it back on, thinking that it's going to reverse up. It may continue its cycle down before it comes up. So those are the things that you need to understand and be able to ask. It's like, hey, what will happen? And hopefully it's been shut down. But if you turn off the power, what will happen then? So... Um, I, I know people don't like to hear this and, and you know in car accidents i sometimes say well maybe we should move the seat back the electric seats back before we actually disconnect the power right and that's sticking one hand in there if you could reach it and there's a, and that's i'm not saying not disconnect the power that's not what i'm saying all i'm saying is that by disconnecting the power we lose that option to be able to move the seat back if it's still working and maybe that's Sometimes we overthink it. It's it's never a hundred percent in anything the fire service does. Maybe we pause a second, move the seat back, shut the power down, and then do what we got to do, making it safe. Same with the machines. If you discuss it with the mechanic that might be there, or the person that might be there. And it may be the maintenance guy, the guy that knows that machine, he's the one that's stuck in the machine. He might not be able to help you. If he's if he's conscious, maybe he can, but maybe he's not able to help us. Um, and and then then you'll have to use your best judgment. But um, I don't I haven't seen too many incidents. I have never heard of an incident and and uh, this is that's from my experience um, that the machine will um, move after it's shut down or power is taken away. It's my understanding that the, the power, once it's removed, it stays where it, wherever it stopped. And once the power is removed, it doesn't go to neutral, doesn't do anything else. It just stays where it is. Um, now, with that being said, <clears throat> there may be exceptions to that. And this is why um, a pre-incident walkthrough um, just trying to find out more information about certain um, manufacturing sites, um, asking those kind of questions. What happens when I shut this down? What is, what is it going to do? Um, OSHA, um, pretty much if it's an OSHA state and if they are, of course, you know, it's an OSHA, even if it's um, OSHA compliant, doesn't mean that they are compliant. Because that's why we get involved, right? You know, whether it's human nature, right? So I, they are trying OSHA and, and the, those safety type systems are all trying to prevent injuries. And but with that being said, that if a shutoff is hit, it generally shuts it off and stops it wherever it's at. And shutting the power down, it shouldn't do no more or no less movement than shut it down. Chief, in the interest no. of a, a future, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Uh, in the interest of maybe a future conversation or a future podcast, um, and I know that this is kind of uh, going off in the left field a little bit, 
Uh, but being, uh, you know, a fellow, fellow uh, truck boss or a truckie, have you looked into any of the uh, little nuances of solar panels as far as, and, and I know that that's not, I guess, not necessarily man versus machine, but there's definitely some applications for it there. Um, is there, has, has that discussion ever occurred? Um, in, in what respect, as far as um, just, uh, you know, some of the different uh, the different systems that are attached to them. And of course, you know, uh, I, I, my mind got on it because we were discussing shutting something off and and, you know, having that power source completely gone. And I know that that's an issue with those solar panels. And of course, you know, yeah. a, a systematic removal of them in order to gain access to different different areas if, as far as vertical vent goes and things like that. But I, again, I know that that's kind of a shot in the dark. I just didn't know if that discussion had come up as far as man versus machine. Well, it, um, typically we might not, I, I haven't heard or seen or can think of anybody being trapped in uh, a solar panel or a solar array, but um, they're a little different animal because they do still discharge power, even though that we shut it off. Um, um, you know, lights, um, headlights or street lights will generate a, some amperage, as I understand it. Um, so that's a little different animal. Um, and, and my thing has always been um, we're, we're finding more and more of them. And that's that's just going to be we're going to have more and more of them. Uh, uh, we just have to not vent on the side that the panels are. We have to stay away from them considering them live all the time. And if it's not the best place to vent, it, it's, it's, it, it's not worth risking somebody getting shocked or, or hurt by them. Um, we, I know we, off subject, but I just wanted to tap you a little bit on it. Yeah, I uh, know. I, it's, I mean, uh, uh, people ask, uh, you know, and I, I've, we had, um, we had a fire, um, oh, probably in December, maybe. <clears throat> I think it was before Christmas right around Christmas time and we had um, um, it required you know the, there was the solar panels on it and um, you know like the, we couldn't put the ground we couldn't put our aerials up we had to use ground ladders because the aerial would have been right over the the um, solar panels and they are throwing a ladder and I had to stop them like no just we'll throw ground ladders um, that's you know that's you got to stay away from me, you know, and, um, and I was, you know, I shut the panels on the outside. They, um, I was like, we can't, you just, we can't trust them. You know, they're just, they're, they're always going to be generating power. They're always going to be, you have to consider them alive all the time. There's a really good, um, YouTube video, um, that our fire department at Boston had that they gave through our training system. Um, and I forget who it was. The guy out of um, I, I want to say Texas, um, but he was. Uh, they were very good with explaining how how solar arrays work and you know how they work and 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 understanding that they basically could always be some sort of amperage coming from them, um, even if we shut them down. So they're a little different animal than a machine, I think. Um, I, Going back to the machine, um, some people have suggested that, you know, not only do we shut the, the breaker down, but we also cut the cables. I'm really not fuzzy about that. Um, you know, the, the, the machine should be shut down. 
Um, at some point, there should be some indications that that it is truly shut down. The lights go off. The you know system is dead. I mean, there's also um, maybe the ability to um, to check the power. I mean, I mean, but at some point you got to say, eh, you know, we shut it down. We did. We locked out and tagged out, which is uh, very important. We have to do it. I mean, like that. But um, do we really truly know it's a hundred percent shut down? You know, is it being fed from another direction? Did we just shut the power down and the uh, and the rollers are still going? And you know, again, this is you know that pre-incident walkthroughs and get as much information about. You know, uh, you know, uh, one of that that manufacturing plant or that that machine that you're you know, like not warm and fuzzy about ha- having some um, intel on it and put it into whatever your incident system, um, that whatever your, your CAD system or whatever you're using for uh, incident information information pass that along whether it's at fire alarm or your dispatchers or or it's on the piece or whatever, but have that information be available. Um, and disseminated because you know it's not going to be your group that did the walkthrough that has an incident. It's going to be the other group that didn't go and that doesn't care because that's usually how it happens. Uh, but having that information at 123 Main Street, they have this big badass machine that you can't shut off just by hitting the breaker on the outside. It's good. There's several different places. All right, guys, we're like I said. Uh, a little bit ago, we're we're just over an hour. So, um, with with all of this, and from the part that I I was able to catch, what a great conversation! Um, and I I love and Trevor and, and Chief Nichols and I talked about this in the pre-show is how do we make this more applicable for that first arriving engine, the first arriving piece to at least get the process started? Do you have someone, you know, entrapped in a machine, and and how do you how do those first arriving people that may not have that training? Um, you know, get the process started to you know, make sure we get the incident going in the right direction. Um, and I would imagine it's very similar to, you know, Trevor saying as the, or as the saying goes, you know, that first line uh, sets the tone, the first engine sets the tone for the rest of the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, with that being said, um, let's go ahead and, and get some closing thoughts. Um, and we'll kick it down to Mike and Bobby, and then we'll come up to, to Chief Nichols and Trevor, and then we'll wrap it up. So you guys, you guys can fight it out down there. I'll let Bobby go first. I chewed up a lot of time. No, go ahead, Mike. Well, Chief, I just, I, I want to uh, say thank you. I've, I've been interested in this for a while, and uh, I've actually had a lot of guys come forward and uh, discuss trying to get a man versus machine class down in Ocean City. And I know a lot of the uh, preliminary thought was, what do we even prep with? Uh, you know, prior to holding a class here, how can we, you know, what, what progressive thinking can we put forth, you know, to, to pseudo prepare for something? So uh, you and you answered all those questions for us, of course, and uh, I really appreciate it. And there's a lot more I'd love to know about all this. So hopefully we can reach out to you in the very near future. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, and thank you, Chief, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I know we really enjoyed when you had the class in Ocean City that Trevor was talking about. Uh, Mark and Jimmy Payne were down here for that. Uh, I think those two guys taught that one. And uh, there was a guy from the police ESU that was teaching with you guys. He stood to with you guys. I don't, 
I can't remember his name. Is he yeah, Randy, Randy Miller. Randy oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Yep. He, he does ride from the police. So. Yeah, the, the Mets medic, I call him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so thank you very much. I mean, you know, and I think we're, you know, we've always tried in Ocean City just to, um, because people aren't familiar with tools, and I work with metal a lot, so we do a lot of just cutting stations, you know, how much heat transfers when you're using a cutting torch or a saw or a right angle grinder or, um, you know, uh, or a bandsaw. Uh, but we also got to the point where we started to teach about where, where bandsaws don't fit, where mm-hmm. they just don't work. I mean, the bandsaws are great, but I have in my shop, I got an automatic one and chopped the metal for me all by itself. Um, but a lot of times it can't fit where you want to get them because they're kind of a little bulky sometimes, you know. Um, but um, so it's really good to listen to you and, uh, and hear what's going on. And uh, we certainly want to, we'd like to see you again. Um, and I, I really want to really um, just say, uh, send our thoughts out to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Um, every time a bomb drops, the fire department's going. And I think they've got a lot of coverage over there. Their fire departments um, are very, very thinly spread out. And uh, so I give a, a cheers to those guys and girls for all they're doing for their country. And, um, and uh, it's great to have you, Chief. It's been a pleasure. I, I, I met you a very long time ago. We never really talked a whole lot, but we both had darker and more hair. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, thank, thanks, Bobby. Um, and to your point, uh, I think that the, the best place to start is with the basics. I know that sounds a little bit contrite, but um, as Chief Nichols was saying, a lot of people now in our in our industry don't come from the trades like they used to. They're very tech savvy. They're smart. They're motivated. They got a lot of stuff going on. Um, but there's you know there's no app on the cell phone for uh, you know cutting certain things. Or I mean, I know there's some resources there, but uh, even in my own department where I have a very young workforce on a regular rotation we're literally going back to the basics and saying, here's how to use a, a socket set. Here's how to use an impact wrench. Here's how to use a box wrench. And we're not trying to um, insult these people whatsoever, but a lot of them just don't have that hands-on um, experience. And we're, we're trying to put that in their hands where, like you said, Bobby, we'll set up uh, different stations for them. And one of our, I think, um, drawbacks in the fire service is, look, is a socket set sexy compared to a hearse tool and an O-cutter? No, yeah, they, everyone wants to get the big tool and cut stuff up and, you know, do the Tim Taylor, you know, more power. That's great. But, you know, they don't understand the capabilities and limitations of what they have or, you know, be- better yet, the, those basic hand tools. And um, and then also just the basic knowledge of materials. What materials do you fracture? What materials do you cut? What materials do you grind? And, you know, they might take a, a big tool to the wrong material uh, thinking it's going to work. So to that end, I, I think starting with the basics, regardless of the size and scope of your department, is you know, kind of going back and, and reviewing some of that stuff. And like uh, Patty was saying, a lot of the wisdom's in the trenches. The guy who maintains that machine you know, every freaking day of the week and year has a lot of requisite knowledge of what that machine does and doesn't do. Um, they have the stuff on site. We, we actually trained with um, Jolly Roger and Tripper's Rides. Those are two of the bigger uh, amusement places in Ocean City. The cool side effect of that was not only did we learn how to dismantle some of the rides, and uh, Bobby, you'd appreciate this, this is when uh, uh, Alan Schweitzer was still uh, you know alive and well among us. And uh, you know, after we got done, they're like, "Hey, you guys want to ride these rides? So it's awesome to have your freaking crew down there just going on amusement rides, and then you're getting paid to do it. It's a pretty it's a pretty sweet gig." But um, you know, to that end, 
it's it's really it's really good stuff. But um, you know, I do have to you know, agree completely that you know, we we really have to look at we have to look outside of our own blinders. Um, I'll tell you a really very, very, very quick story about this. A lot of times we kind of catch that attitude that we're the fire department, we're the saviors of everything. And look, we do a lot of really you know, cool and uh, interesting shit. There's no doubt about that. But um, when I was a, a younger officer, I, I went on an elevator call. You know, not a big deal. We go on elevator calls all the time, passenger inconvenience. It wasn't an actual like um, it wasn't an elevator mechanic trapped or pinned or anything else as a passenger inconvenience call. The call was much more complex. It turned out to be much more complex than the level of training that we had received at that time and our capabilities. But of course, you know, I had that little butter bar on my collar. So the you know the fairy dust, you know, they came and sprinkled stuff on my collar and said, I, I'm supposed to know it all, right? Well, uh, and you guys in Ocean City will appreciate this. I, I have my August attitude. Um, you know, it's towards the end of August where you know we just had our you know just beat down and you know, we couldn't get these people out of the elevator. Elevator company was an hour and 15 minutes away. And again, it was just more, more complex. All the, all the normal stuff that we would do at that period of time, this is years ago, um, wasn't working. So I was getting a little bit frustrated, but of course, you know, having to be the duck where you're cool and calm on the surface, but underneath the water, your feet are going like this. <laughs> anyway, guy comes up to me, he's got his red solo cup. He said, Hey buddy, um, can I give you a hand? No, sir. Um, you know, fire department. I, I wasn't that I wasn't that rude to him, but basically I dismissed him outright. He walks away, comes back about 10 minutes later. Um, hey, buddy, look, I'm not trying to pester you, but, you know, you really seem to be having a difficult time with this elevator door. Um, you know, is there anything I do to help you? And I, I, in a little bit more of an assertive tone, sir, thank you for, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to say, you know, so forth and so on. We got this elevator company's on the way dismissed him again third time about 10 minutes later the guy just couldn't take it anymore he's like hey buddy look i'm i'm really not trying to get underneath your skin but um i can i can help you with this and of course at that time i'm like well you know what are you an elevator mechanic yep um, <laughs> so, so within literally literally within i'd say 60 to 90 seconds he had the people out of the freaking elevator yeah. and after I scooped up my my pride and my attitude off the floor, I took him aside. I said, "Sir, I you know I have you know number one, I thanked him profusely. Number two, I said, look, um, I have my August attitude. Here's Ocean City Fire Department in a nutshell, because everybody is somebody from somewhere starting in June. And um, but it was one of those things where you know the guy couldn't have been any nicer, any more gracious, and he, even though I I had actually worn my my own ass as a hat." In that situation, um, you know, he I learned more in five minutes from that guy than I had at that point in my career about anything in elevators. So uh, <clears throat> to your point, you know, the wisdom is definitely in the trenches. And sometimes we have to uh, get over ourselves in order to make sure that we have a successful outcome to these incidents. But uh, uh, Chief Nichols, I do want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing these nuggets with us and your wisdom. Um, I know in two weeks we're going to be celebrating the uh, high holiday. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. In, in advance. Yep. And uh, with, with that, Ben, I'm going to kick it over. Uh, actually, Chief, I'm going to kick it over to you for some final words. And then, Ben, you can take us home. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It, it was uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It, um, uh, it was, um, I, I, I will end my thoughts here with um, keep it simple, uh, silly, right? 
um, don't overcomplicate what we're trying to do. Because um, we have, you have a lot of knowledge on every rig. You just have to find it and get it focused in the right direction. Um, as an example, the, the uh, FEMA team is, is uh, you know, you, you, I go out with six to eight people, um, sometimes nine, and um, I turn to one guy and I'm like, Yo, no, you're not touching the wood. No, no, you're not. But I'm going to go to the other guy who built houses and he on the side and I'm going to have him. Uh, but the guy that wasn't building wood could tie, you know, the Empire State Building and, and hang it, um, you know, and lift it. You know what I mean? So you get the right people in the right focus and in, in, in the right directions. And those are the uh, those are the people that you um, use and utilize for their knowledge. Um, like Bobby, you know, you work with metal all the time. I'd be looking at you. Hey, you're, you're my metal guy. You know, if I come across with something like that, that I could tap your knowledge. But uh, I think, you know, we try to keep the class and, and it's not dumbing down the class or anything like that. I don't mean it that way, but it's we try to keep it simple. Most of the time we can accomplish what we got to do without overcomplicating the whole thing. We're firemen. We tend to do that already. So if we can just, you know, direct the attention and try to uh, and solve the problem without overcomplicating it. Um, and one last real quick story. Um Two or three years ago, uh, went to a um, person with their hand stuck in a, a snowblower. Happens why people do that, but that's why we're in business, I guess. And it was as simple as if you looked at it, his hand was in the in the chute. Um, it was a wet, snowy day. Hand got in. It it's it, the, the motor stalled, but it had enough um, enough from torsion on the auger that once he released it it moved got his fingers caught um it was as easy as removing the spark plug and taking the, the compression off the engine because how much do you have to move it just enough out it came he took his gloves off he passed out that's essentially what happened um he had pretty some ugly looking fingers but he was going to survive he's had all his digits he he just you know, just wasn't very smart with what he was trying to do. But, um, you know, again, don't overcomplicate it, that is what I would say. But thanks again for having us, having me, gentlemen. Um, thank you. Thank you, Chief. Again, thanks for joining us. Um, I, I, again, we talked in the in the pre-show about uh, getting some pictures. Uh, we'll figure out the technology to get that and maybe yeah. we'll do a part two. Not in two weeks. We'll push it back after that. Again, yeah. that's a, the high holiday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know you mentioned uh, teaching hot classes at FDIC. Are you guys out there again this coming year? Yep. Awesome. Yep. Man and awesome. machine. Yep. Awesome. So anybody that's watching uh, or listening after this, because uh, tomorrow uh, this will go out as a podcast. Um, if you guys are interested or if you're listening and, and like I said, you're interested, um, Chief Nichols is a part, uh, is actually a founding member of the PL Vulcan training. So if you guys are interested, uh, check that out. Uh, if you have problems getting to that, or if you want to get up with Chief Nichols, um, you can always go through Strike the Box. We're more than happy to help um, help get up with that and, and facilitate some training. If you want to FDIC, make sure you guys check um, check their hot class out for the Man vs. Machine. Um, guaranteed to be some more good stuff. 
Uh, in two weeks, again, it's the it's St. Patty's Day. Um, we're still working on what we're going to do that evening, but I guarantee it'll be a great show. Um, we we might even remember some of it the next day. So is this going to be a pre-recorded uh, said, one? <laughs> is it, is that going to be a pre-recorded one like the rest of the holidays? We're we're going to have to talk about that. I might recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, with that being said, thanks for, for joining us. I uh, hope everybody has a great evening and uh, and stay safe, and we will see you guys next time. Okay. Slaughter. <laughs>